just just have a moment of fellowship tonight and enjoy each other and uh, have a good time to visit. If you got your Bibles, Genesis chapter 25, <clears throat> starting with verse 24. Uh, I start with 23, verse 23. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other. <clears throat> and the elder shall serve the younger. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. And after that, his brother came out. His hand took hold of Esau's heel. His name was called Jacob, and Isaac was threescore years when she bare them. He was 60 years old. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of the venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob sawed porridge and her pottage, and Esau came from the field. He was faint. Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage. For I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he sware unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread, pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, rose up, went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Media, keep me at 26 if you don't mind. I want to preach to here today, don't give away your blessing. Don't give away your blessing. You know, one, one part of me wanted to talk about the beans because that's what the pottage was. It was a bowl of beans. And uh, <laughs> it's worth more than beans. It's worth more than beans. If you would, lift your hands and ask God to talk to us today. Jesus, I thank you for your spirit, your presence, the anointing that I feel in this place right now. You know the need of every individual, every saint of God, every guest, visitor, people, me included. God, you know all of our needs. Speak to us today through your word. Don't let it just be another sermon, God. We don't need a sermon. We need a word from you. Speak to our hearts today, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Stories, another uh, common story we've heard through the Sunday school uh, days. If you've been anywhere in a Sunday school class, you have heard uh, the selling or the giving away of the birthright of Esau. But before you and I get to this, this point of, of him giving it away, let's, let's look at these two boys and their backdrop, their their life and, and what they uh, stood for. Scripture doesn't say a whole lot uh, about them. Uh, Hebrews gives us a very clear scripture 
I'll read it. You don't have to go there, media, because I want to stay at 26. Hebrews 12, for those that are writing them down, you can write down Hebrews 12 and 16. It says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Says he was a profane person, and that after that he had done it, the plans were was that he was going to inherit the blessing, the birthright. Uh, he was the firstborn that, according to the law and according to uh, Jewish tradition, the firstborn was the one that was going to inherit everything. Now, the definition of the birthright or, or what it was, was not only was it the covenantial uh, transference, that what God had promised to Abraham, God says, I'm going to transfer that to your son Isaac. Now, Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. It could not go to both. It only could go to one, and that one being the firstborn, being Esau. And the birthright not only gave the covenantial promises of Abraham, what did God tell Abraham? He said, Abraham, wherever you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to just only give you uh, land and financial prosperity. But he told Abraham, he said, your seed is going to be as the sand on the shore. And then it goes even further and says, as the stars of heaven. Supernatural genealogy in birth and natural genealogy in birth. He was saying to Abraham, I'm going to multiply you beyond your comprehension. All I need you to do is believe me by faith and take a step when you don't understand or know where you're going. You say, well, that's so far and now. God is not telling me I'm going to get land or I'm going to get the, the, the financial blessings. Not so. The first part of the New Testament was God was coming to this earth for one thing, and that was to restore relationship between God and man. But part of that promise of relationship being restored and the part that God wanted to restore back was the fulfillment of Abraham's covenant that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost you didn't just get some tongue talking experience but you walked into a grafted you were grafted into the promises of Abraham that whatever Abraham got you're going to get those promises and the blessing and the favor of God would flow on you that means healing is your blessing financial blessing Family blessing. That was Abraham's promise. And that promise took a, a road between supernatural us and the natural Jews. And with the story of Abraham and his act of faith that he moved so well in, it gives you and I a pattern to follow. And when you don't know what to do, where to turn. If you can look to God's word, though you might not understand it, you might not have full comprehension of it, you might not have a theological degree, you might not know Greek, you might not know Hebrew, but if you can put your faith in that book that says, healing is yours, 
Miracles are yours. Deliverance is yours. That's the blessing of God. And not be governed by an emotional response that says, well, I'm looking at reality. Take your eye off of reality and put the eye of faith on eternity. And let God show you what he's able to do today for you and for me. Abraham acted in faith and the covenant was, I promise to you, Abraham, I promise to you, Isaac, and now we're at a threshold of we got two. We got Jacob and his wife giving birth to two. She was barren. She could not have kids. She could not have, Rebecca could not have Children, but God supernaturally, just like he did with Sarah, he opened up a 90-year-old woman's womb. He reached into Rebecca and he opened up her womb. She desired something from God. But now watch me. What you're desiring from God, she didn't know would birth a war. There's some things you and I ask for in God and God has a perfect timing to it all. God has a perfect plan and a perfect timing. And though you may be asking for this, God may say no because it's not in the interest of his kingdom or in his purpose. But then there's times that God's gonna say yes. And when you get what you've been wanting, you realize what in the world did I ask for? Because now I'm faced with something my heart has longed for. And now I have it. And now I'm looking at a war between my two boys. That started before they ever could hardly take their first breath. They started in a contentious war and fight. See, because some things that God puts on your heart to desire... He knows that it's going to create a war when it comes to fruition. But it's got, he's got enough confidence in you and in I that when the war begins to rage and it looks like everything is going to turn upside down, God's always going to have an upright seed that's going to say, Lord, I know this is what I asked for. I didn't ask for all of this, but it is what it is. But I'm going to trust you now that God, if I would have taken everything that I calculated into ministry, I probably would have never signed up, Brother brother Bushnell. But now that I'm in it and I look and see, I can't tell you the times that a, a war is raging and a conflict is raging. But I know enough about God. God, if you put me in it. God, if you ever called me to it. God, if you ever filled me with the Holy Ghost, you didn't fill me for let me drop and die. Listen, humanity makes mistakes. People are going to make errors. Things are going to go wrong and not right in life. But don't lose your faith in God. Be the one that's going to stand upright and say, I'm not going to be governed. And she asked for something that created a war between the two boys. In verse 26, and after his brother came out, the hand took hold of Esau's heel. There was something in the nature. Now, the old, I'm going to use a lot of references here today. See, I love a quote I read 
couple of days ago or heard, I don't remember which one. C.S. Lewis said it like this. If you joined or took a part of Christianity, and I'm paraphrasing his saying, I'm, I'm not good at quoting other people's stuff. He said, if you joined Christianity to be comfortable, you could have got that in a bottle of wine. We've created a culture now. He finishes a statement and says is, if you're looking for religion to comfort you, you don't need Christianity. I'm going to put it down in our terms. Let me say it and I'm going to make a new slogan. If you're looking for an apostolic church to comfort you, you can get that in a bottle of wine. But if you need an apostolic church to preach to you truth that's going to bring to you what you need to hear from God... I'm going to say what I learned from an old elder years ago. I'm here to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. The word of God has an ability to shake you and I up when we need to be shaken. And it has an ability to comfort us when we're wounded and scarred. One way or the other, the will of God is done. If he can find an individual that says, if the Lord be for me, who could ever be against me? If God ever reached into my darkness and pulled me out and saved me, I don't need a bottle of wine. I'm here to hear the word of God. That's why preaching now has become uh, almost a lost thing, Brother Bushnell. Now we want us to just kind of sit back and let the preacher just kind of talk to me easy. I've told this before, but let me say it for some that's never heard it. When the king had a message... He took that courtroom messenger. His orders were to do one thing. When Paul said, except the foolishness of preaching, you cannot be saved. What Paul was referencing was, was the story of the king and the messenger in the court. He, when the king had a message, they didn't have megaphones. They didn't have social media. They didn't have an intercom system. They didn't have a mic system. They had to do it by one thing. That which was in them was the air to propagate a message beyond the roar of the crowd and that messenger would leave the king's court and he would go to the center court of that city and that town where everybody knew if you wanted to hear from the king you went to the center court here's what it tells you and I by history you and I know where we need to hear from God and we know where we need to hear from the king but when that messenger got to the center court he could not look at the frowns of the people he could not look at the disdain of the people he could not look at anything that was around him but with every fiber in his body he herald and screamed out the message of the king why I'm carrying the message of the king and I can't let anything stop I can't let unbelief I can't let doubt I can't let fear the anointing is what breaks the yoke so I make no excuses because the world would try to say, dumb it down. Don't, don't, it don't take all of that passion. There's times for teaching and there's times for preaching. Today I'm not teaching, I'm preaching. I'm preaching somebody out of your pit of despair. 
I'm trying to get somebody to understand there's always going to be two that's going to bear witness. There's always going to be a Jacob and an Esau. But you and I better make up in our mind. I'm not giving up my blessing. I'm not going to let my emotions dictate my future. I'm not going to let the reality of my family that's going crazy, my situations that are messed up, I'm not letting it dictate to me that I would forfeit the blessing of God. I'm not giving up my healing. I'm not giving up my family. There's salvation. Dumb it down, Brother Benoit. Calm down, Brother Benoit. Brother Benoit, don't. You, 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 you're doing too much. Aren't you thankful for Brother Bush now and the message he preached Wednesday night? I love you. And I thank God for you. This story that I'm using, example, preaching I'm trying to connect the passion that Jacob had Jacob had a connection he knew coming from the wound there ain't nothing going to be given to me so I better get it I'm going to say this real carefully but we've created a system that everything is just given by free We've done it in the church some degree. These young couples don't know about sacrifice. They think just because they, they have struggle paying their rent this week, that's a struggle. Oh. I'm not negating and saying it's not a struggle, but you hear me. True conflict is when you don't have an answer and you know if that sun sets today, by tomorrow, if an answer don't come by the rising of the sun, I then lose my house. Or I then have this problem. You hear me today. God's ready to show himself to this generation, a Jacob generation, that they realize I'm going to stand upright. I'm not going to let these things dictate to me. I'm going to stay on the Lord's side. I'm going to stay with the gospel message. A man's got to repent. He's got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And he's got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Don't let anybody change that. Come on. I'm not saying purposefully make it hard. What I'm saying is God's raising up a generation that's going through stuff today under the sound of my voice that you hear me. It's only going to get worse. Oh, wow, what a downer preacher. No, it's going to get worse, but God's going to get better. I know God can't grow and he can't get better. I'm speaking metaphorically. David said it like this. God be magnified. God can't be magnified no bigger than he already is. But what David's saying is this. Be magnified in me. I need less of me and more of you. I need less of me to go and more of you to grow in me. Be magnified in me. Then I see you like I've never seen you before. And these two boys come out of the womb fighting all because a mama prayed for kids and they are fighting over Jacob got the heel and the story changes next verse 
Jacob was 60. The promise came, I don't know, or a little bit before. He's 40. 20 years have passed. And now they grow. And now small problems turn into even bigger problems. I'm trying to paint somebody a picture, not a negative, pessimistic view. I'm trying to show you how life will do to you. Problems ain't going away. Situations are not going to get better in the world. I hope they don't. I'm waiting on somebody that believes that to wake up. I want to go home. Maybe you like staying here. I don't. It's got to get worse for the church to cry out. Even so, come Lord Jesus. It's got to get a little bit worse for us to begin to say, God, I, I'm ready for your coming. Let's reach everybody we can. Let's evangelize everybody we can. So life, family, marriages, health, situations that you and I face. I used to could do things I can't do physically. I used to could handle things better, but I can't. I used to could deal with things in my mind better, but I can't. It grows harder, and the conflict in my mind grows more intense as the drawing of the coming of the Lord is to us. Our minds are fearful now like never before. Our worries at an all-time high, even with the Holy Ghost, we're worrying about things that we cannot control. On your best day, Brother Darrell, you can't control it. You try everything in your power to try to... So things grow... Little problems grow into bigger problems if they're not dealt with. And here's what the old sages, old Jewish sage, rabbis, this is what they teach. That there was something in Esau that when he came out, Jacob, Esau never stopped letting the things of the world pull on him and Jacob spent his days studying the word of God growing up so the parallel is symbolic for you and I whether it's true or not it preaches real good and I can show it in other scriptures because God always gives you and I two to bear witness to you and I there's one or the other Come on, the coming of the Lord, there are going to be two in the bed. One, there are going to be two out in the field. One gonna be, one's going to go and one's going to stay. What's the key ingredient to being the one that makes that right decision, that right call? There's no mir miraculous cure. God, don't pick favorites. God didn't look down at Esau and say, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give Jacob something I'm not going to give you. That's not the case. Every man is dealt his own makeup. And how you and I figure out how to deal with myself, that's between you and the Lord. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It does not mean go find another doctrine. 
and live however you want according or contrary to them scriptures. What it means is this. There are some things that you're going to have to draw a line in the sand and say, I know brother so-and-so don't do it like this. I know that one don't do it like this. But as for me and my house, I cannot do that. I cannot live that way. There's a world that's pulling on the church and it's pulling on young couples and it's pulling on their unborn child. Somebody's got to be a Jacob that says I'm not going to give it away. I'm not giving it away. I'm not throwing in the towel on what got us to where we are. And these boys grew. Esau was a hunter, a man of blood. Jacob was a plain man. The word plain does not mean he was one that just kind of sat out on a, on, on a plain field or a flat uh, land. That's not what that means. What it means is the original Hebrew is he was upright. He did what was right. Regardless of everything else that was going on and things that were taking place. So I know from this scripture I got one that's a hunter. And then I got another one that's upright. There's a reason that the scripture bears these things out. Other than just Isaac loved Esau because of the good meat. Hebrews gives me another insight to him. He was a game warden's nice worst nightmare. I'm waiting on some of y'all to come to church this morning. Y'all follow the line or reindeer and nose and I don't know what. Hebrews said he was a profane man. Word profane means no boundaries. Everything's common. It's a free-for-all. I can do whatever I want, act however I want do. So not only was he a hunter, he was one that had no boundaries to by which he would make the kill. By which he would do anything unmeasurable. He had no control of himself. Is there anybody here other than this preacher today that's seeing humanity out of control? And you try to do everything in your power, Brother Joe. Reach down in their mind and try to say, here's what the Word of God says. And their echo back to you is this. I just don't see that. You can paint it as plain as you want in the Scripture. It says a man has got to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. And he goes, I just don't see it. I almost took this a total different turn. Go to 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8. Don't go there, best. Stay right where you are. Thank you. I saw them fingers. I saw smoke. You too quick. Hang on. First says the second Thessalonians 1 and 8 said with a flaming fire of vengeance, he'll take it on those that obey not the gospel. Again, Romans and Corinthians gives us a definition. What's the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection. And then that Romans gives us an understanding. How do I die to him? I die to him in repentance. How am I buried with him? How do I obey the gospel? I repent. I die. How do I, how am I buried? I go down in a watery grave and I'm baptized in Jesus' name. How am I resurrected? How I'm filled with the Spirit of God. If the same Spirit, Romans, dwells in you it'll quicken your mortal body that's how you obey the gospel now watch I just gave it to you fast that's cliff notes if a flaming fire of vengeance is going to be on those that obey not the gospel what don't you see if you can't see that you ought to be screaming in the middle right now before I wait on the altar call. You ought to be screaming, God, help me to see that scripture. Because if you can't see it, you're already lost. 
and there ain't no counseling I can do to pull you out. We're living in an hour they can't even see without, a, without obedience to the gospel. You're not making it. You're not going to make it if I don't obey the gospel. Oh, Brother Benoit, let's all come together. Let's love Jesus today. And if you love Jesus, everything's going to be okay. That is a lie. Because here's what the Bible says. If you love me, you obey me. You can't say you love him and disobey him. It don't work together. And we have propagated a false message that says, if I just love Jesus, everything's going to be okay. That's a good start. That's a good beginning. I'm trying to love him. I want to love him a little bit more. But according to that word, my love is defined by my obedience to him. I'm going to love him when I don't. I'm going to serve him when I don't. I'm going to be obedient when my flesh says, give up and throw in the towel. I didn't mean to get off on all that this morning, but let me go back to my notes. The mind is in a war. And I'm seeing it more and more. I'm seeing more and more. The damage to the mind. Sister Becky, it's like that scripture that says, they receive not a love of truth they can't even know they can't even see it brother Mike they can't even see it and these two boys one was profane he had no boundaries and watch me here it is here's my message he could not see the big picture in living for God and many people fall by the wayside and don't obey God because they're too impatient to see the big picture come to fruition. That's the word of the I could I could have went to the pulpit today and just said, Thus saith the Lord, I just gave it to you, let's go home. But nowadays we gotta build all this stuff up to keep attention in people. And I know what the word of the Lord is. It's clear. You can't let the small things today. You say, what's causing all of this? He shows up. J Jacob's a, a man that's upright. Now, here's a kicker. Next verse, Beth. Let's go. Uh, let's go quick. And Isaac loved Esau because he did it. He said, Rebecca loved it. Who cares? Go next. <laughs> and Jacob sawed porridge. And Esau, here it is. Many of the sages, Brother David, say this. When I found it, I was shocked. Abraham died on that day. Letting it sink in because if you miss this, you, you might as well. Have... Abraham died that day. And Jacob is making food for the mourners. And where it should have been a moment, Esau coming from the field, but he had no boundaries to what he would do, to what he would think. When it came time to rein in his thoughts because he had let it go for so long doing whatever he wanted, acting however he wanted, his mind was permanently broke. And what should have been 
Abraham died, daddy died. Esau should have came from the field, Brother Keith. And when he came from the field, he should have said, Ooh, it's appointment day. The birthright transferred covenant. But watch this. Not only did it transfer the blessing of Abraham, grandpa, and daddy Isaac, but it also said, you now will become the officiant to sacrificing for the family. I'm telling you how the family has broke down and kids are, because daddies did not stand in their role to be the officiant. Instead, they were given to emotions of mama and the kids and the world. And Esau, when it should have been a day, Brother Roger, when he walked in from hunting that day and he saw the pot brewing, it shouldn't have been, what about me? I'm hungry. It should have been what are we going to do for the family? And because he was governed by emotion out of control. I say again, comfort you can find in booze. You can find in drugs. We can find it in all other places. But there's one thing you and I need to understand. When I come to the house of God, I'm not looking for you to coddle me. I'm looking for you to tell me how can I get out of my mess? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better man? How can I be a better wife? How can I be a better son? How can I raise my... How? Give me that baby. How? How? How can I raise this baby in the house of God? That every time the man of God speaks, she's looking. You say, oh God, you're in a dictator mentality. Shame on you. I told you, God can do whatever he wants with me. My life is not my own. And I'll stop right there. But you hear me. If there's anything that's got to be transferred to these kids and our families, is that when that man of God begins to speak, we got to look at it as it's appointment time. It's time for God to, it ain't about who's. It shouldn't be about who's preaching today, who's singing today, who's greeting at the door today. Oh God, there's so and so across the building. I don't like, forget all of that. Don't be governed by your flesh. Be governed by the Spirit and be here. And Esau comes in. Daddy's dead. Grandpa's dead. It should have been a note to him. They're dying off. Somebody's got to step up. And instead, when Esau showed up, he didn't care about the he didn't care about why he was cooking. All he cared about, Brother Bushnell, was me. And we've created a culture that comes to church and it's all about me. That's why preachers can't preach us out enough. Preachers can't fix our problems enough. I'm not saying you don't need a preacher. You gotta have a preacher and you can't forsake the fellowship. You gotta have a church and you gotta have a pastor, somebody to cover you. But it's more than just getting my fix on Sunday. His hunger, Brother Daryl, was such a short moment. Watch what he says. 
Don't go there just a bit. His next verse says, he's faint. Go to 20. Go to 30. It's somewhere in there. Don't worry about it. He says, I'm about to die. Brother Langley, the boy wasn't about to die. His emotions were so out of control and he had lived so long with no boundaries that when it came time to make the right decision, he had no boundaries to keep him in place. So now, here's what happens. That's why all of you, the people that come in and they want to hit your brain. I'm preaching to good saints here today. Let me encourage you. All these people that are telling you don't take standards and living for God and holiness, you need to direct them to that scripture because they're heading down a road of no boundaries. I can show you, come on Wednesday nights and I'll teach you how much there's boundaries in the scripture and the word of God and says it matters. This ain't a Pentecostal thing. I don't need no Pentecostal. I'll take it straight from the scripture for you. And because he had no boundaries, when it came time to step to play, Brother Clifton Bushnell, his mind had nothing to catch him. I'm telling you why people today are struggling in their mind. They've thrown boundaries off for so long. They've come to churches for so long and never moved. And they throw boundary off. You say, what about a merciful God? God is merciful, merciful. But I'm telling you this. There's coming a day where Jacob and Esau are going to come together. And there comes an appointment day. And God's going to look to and throw through that congregation and say, I'm looking for an upright. If it's you, Esau, great. Just stand upright. If it's you, Jacob, just stand upright. God's no respecter of person. He's just looking for somebody that won't give the blessing away. His hunger overtook what he knew daddy took him. You want to know why kids are backslidden? No boundaries. And what mom and daddy taught them, they override it. That's why we need a praying church that says, God, whatever you got to do, bring boundaries back in their mind. Bring boundaries back to their spirit. Don't let them forget that right is still right and wrong is still wrong according to the word of God. Not according to a code or a standard, but according to the word of God. And he came in. And when he came in, he said, I'm faint. I need you to feed me. And Jacob, who had been studying the scriptures, oh, Rash, he says, or the Midrash uh, teacher's commentary says, he had been studying in Shem. He had been studying about the word of God, the Torah. He had been studying what his grandpa did. He prepared himself that when the time came, I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost, this world's going to get worse. And if you're governed by the emotions of what the world does or what your family does or what your kids does, you're going to fall right into the, ba- the place of where Esau was. But if you'll stay in the Word of God, keep preaching and teaching and loving the Word of God, keep expounding and studying it with every fiber in your body, there's coming an appointment day. And though emotions want to kick in, you tell me Jacob didn't have emotions, God created every one of us with an emotion. We can go to the far extreme of that. You got some that won't show no emotion. Got to check their pulse to see if they're alive. They say, well, I'm not emotionless. That's a lie because if I kicked you in the shin, you would get angry. You flipped your car, you would get angry. You get angry and show emotion over what you want to show emotion over. 
That's will. That's the far extreme. What do you say we come right down into the middle and a balance of it and say, God, you created me with emotion, but I'm going to submit it to you. God, I want your will, not my will. I want your plan, not my plan. And when the appointment day comes, I want to do it unto the Lord. And poor old Jacob says, I tell you what, if you don't have enough willpower to carry on the covenant and the blessings of God on our family, you know what? I'll feed you, but here's what's going to have to happen. Because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, our family could suffer because you got to offer sacrifices. And because you're not going to do it, I'll make a deal. I want what you don't care about. I could preach 10 hours on that right there. I want what you don't care about. Here's what preacher's saying. I, I've heard old preachers say this. After a powerful move of God and people were slain in the spirit and angels showed up and people see them. After that service, there was old Kleenexes that were just all out on the pew. Because people leave trash everywhere. They leave everything on the pew. And old preachers made up in his mind said, you know what? Those were tears of, of people that were hungry for God and went through something. And th now I'm on shock really right now. Y'all going to really think I'm out there. But you know what? I don't care at this point. They went to that pew and he picked up every one of them and said, God, I want the anointing of that saint. I want the anointing of that saint. I want the anointing of that preacher. Basically what he's saying is what I just said. If they don't care what God wants, I want every bit of anointing. I want every bit of the blessing. I want every bit of relationship if you don't want it I'll take every bit of it and watch my family dance all the way on streets of going to heaven stand with me that's why I'll say again the church ain't bankrupt with sinners saints backslidden preachers none of them God's got a people God's got a people that's going to be a Jacob that ain't going to be governed by an emotional frenzy, but it's going to be focused and saying, I'm going to take every bit of my emotion. I'm going to take my hunger. Because see, here's the kicker. They both are hungry. I ain't never cooked a pot of food, and I don't do a lot of cooking. But when I did cook, years ago, and I cooked beans, when I did cook them, Brother Micah, I kept going. Mm -hmm. I throw a little rhyme to it. Mm -hmm. These are going to be good beans. What are you saying? When I cooked them, I was hungry. There ain't nothing harder to do to cook when you're full. Come on, somebody that knows how to cook in this place. When you cook, what I think I'm hungry for, huh, I'm going to go cook it. Jacob was hungry just like Esau. The difference is one knew where to put his hunger and the other one put it in the wrong place. When it was time to step to bat, Esau said, just give me the short term because I can't see all this sacrificing in the big picture. I can't see it. Right now, all I can see is I'm hungry and I'm about to die. My emotions are out of control and I'm ready to quit. And God's saying, hold on a second. Let me just keep stirring the pot. Let it cook and simmer a little bit longer. And if you'll let God finish what he's doing in your life and you see the big picture, 
There's something bigger that you can't see. I promise you this. You'll be just like Jacob, following in into covenant. And all the blessings that were supposed to be for others will be yours because you held on when everything said give up and throw in the towel. Is there anybody here today that you'd want to run to this altar and say, Brother Benoit, I want to be the first one. I'm not giving up my blessing. I'm not giving up nothing. I'm going to give it all to the Lord. I'm giving it all to you, God. Everything. I'm giving it to you. And I want to serve you today with my heart sister Ashley, sister Lisa if y'all want to go even old course I don't care one of them old courses whatever you can pull off somehow listen folks come on as you make your way down here the coming of the Lord is soon and there's something that's brewing in the spirit world I can't explain it to you prophecies in part but I can tell you this there's God moving on family members that you can't see there's God moving in situations and churches you can't see you might have a kid somewhere far away and I'm telling you they're fixing to send an outreach team to go knock on their door and something's fixing to happen to that son that daughter in another state another wherever they may be I'm telling you it's going to happen right here in our community God's going to start reaching for people And today you might not see it, but don't throw in the towel for a pot of beans. It ain't worth it. What do you say we hang on to the blessings that God's given us and just keep on walking, knowing that God's going to bring us out. Lift your hands all across this building. Come on, lift your voice now with it today. God, I need you in this place. I feel the presence of God ministering to hearts, minds, and spirits today. Come on, if you want to live for God, God will do everything he can to help you and strengthen you. If you're tired and weary, some saint of God, God's going to help you and strengthen you and help you. Just don't give up your blessing now.